You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mays. Not here tonight is my co-host, Justin Raffoff, but of course you know I don't like to do this show by myself, so I do have a guest here this evening, and it is a long-time featured guest here on the program, but the first time ever to be on live, I believe. Uh, is the Wilson Bulldogs defensive coordinator and longtime assistant coach Ernie Wolber. Ernie, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Proud to be here. Should have a fun night. Yeah, well, I mean, if uh, the pre-show is any indication, we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, we talked, uh, touched on a lot of topics. We did, and that, that's not just teasing, you know, Wilson football stuff. We just talked football and sports. Yeah, so. which I can do often. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so can I. Uh, as uh, everyone listening to this show and, and our other shows know, Justin and I talk football all the time, but we do want to focus on Wilson football, Burke's high school football this evening, and uh, I figured no better way than to do uh, our third episode of our eighth season here on the, the Bulldog Hour uh, summer update time. We're supposed to do it a couple weeks ago. Didn't quite work out, but um, happy to have you here to cover uh, Wilson and Burks and whatever football topics come up this evening. Um, first off, let's see where, where your temperature is right now. Are, are you in full football mode yet? I know there's no off season anymore. You, you're always doing stuff for football, but at what point of the year do you think, okay, this is the new season. This is the next part. It's here and we're ready to go. Um, early summer when we're working out doing things, spring ball, you get excited. Honestly, it's Thursday of my vacation week. We go on vacation the last week of June every year. Like we come home right before Fourth of July, and Thursday of that week, it kind of hits me in the head. Like, all right, it's time to get home. It's time to get to work. It's time to get serious. So that's kind of when my focus really, really. I mean, I'm thinking about it all the time and trying to do things, but that's what my mindset goes. All right, let's go. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Your answer would be: we're we're kind of right in that mode where you have completely 100 percent turned the page to 2021 and the quote off season. It's 2022 season now. Uh, if it wasn't right around the 4th, I figured it would be when you go to summer camp, which is coming up real soon. Yeah, we leave it? actually Saturday. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, And where are you guys going this year? LaValle. Uh, um, Le- yeah, LaValle College. Uh, okay, yeah. you guys have been going there for a while. Uh, probably, yeah, last five or six years, I think. Okay, yeah. So um, you go there for, what, about three, four days? Yeah, we go. We leave on Saturday morning. Um, we have three, inter- three interactions or practices on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And then Tuesday morning, we have one session. Then we come home Tuesday, usually around lunchtime. So we're there from, we leave school around 7 o'clock on Saturday, and we'll return to school around 1 o'clock on Tuesday. Excellent. Yeah, and you get a lot of exposure there. I know you get to do uh, your individual drills and, and team work, but mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing you get to evaluate yourselves without pads at, in more seven-on-seven atmospheres against uh, fellow high school teams. Absolutely. And we, we do that. I mean, we have our seven-on-seven day at Wilson that we host. We have four interactions that day. Um, actually, yesterday we were at Whitehall for a competition. Um, that was a seven on seven. There's like, I think there was 24 teams there. Oh, wow. That's a big one. Um, yeah. So it was, um, it was, it was good practice for us. It, we don't teach during seven and sevens. We don't instruct how to win on seven and seven. We try to use everything we can in on a Friday night 
to make it valuable. We don't teach how to win at seven on seven because you could play a certain coverage all the time and it's really difficult to beat because you have, you know, plenty of options. So, but no, we tried to teach that. So yesterday we did for the first time in many, many years. Um, and we did okay. And we learned a lot. We got better. And that's what we're trying to do at this point. And next week, a lot of the kids who didn't get all the reps up to now will get even more reps because we're going to have, you know, a red and a white squad. You know, the reds are usually the more experienced players and the whites are the less experienced players, but they're going, they have as many interactions as both, both groups have the same amount of interactions. So a lot of people get reps. The, the seven on seven, I know there's a lot of this, this has kind of become this big thing where there's like tournament champions and then that's not exactly where you guys go or it's not this competitions where there's trophies and things like no, that you no. this is a learning experience absolutely when you do your seven on sevens the one that that you host and the ones you've been to um you, you said you were at y hall you had another one a couple weeks ago uh, we were against exeter, exeter. Mardonia's exeter this coming week as okay. well yeah do you use that you don't you don't use that for a defensive install, that's mostly to work on technique and fundamentals. Absolutely. That's the way, I mean, that's to put, we don't want to show everybody we're doing, but it's basically those are the primary coverages we're going to play during the season, probably 80% of the time. So we're going to work on the basics. Once we have that down pat, then we'll start adding more to our packages. But we just want to get kids reps and see who's going to understand the defense, who's going to read their keys correctly, things like that. Okay. And... Let's talk about the, this 2022 team that you have coming back. Uh, is it an experienced group? Are you returning a bunch on um, the defensive side of the ball that played for you often last year? Or is it uh, is it a little bit more of a green uh, group of guys? It, um, in the secondary, we have a lot of returning players. Um, we had a lot of energies last year, which everybody knows. And we uh, a lot of guys got playing time. So in the secondary wise, I think we have pretty good experience back. Cam will be at one corner. Um, Raf Hernandez will be at the other corner right now. Uh, and he played a lot last year when Cam was injured or he subbed off and on for Cam too and Cam needed breaks. Um, safety wise, uh, well, corner, we also have Makai working there. Um, we also have Cleveland working there. Uh, we also have Damian Haynes working there. We have a lot of guys working there, but right now the leader is definitely a Raf and um, Cam. Uh, safety. We have um, Eddie didn't play last year, Eddie Case, but Cappy Capitano played a lot last year. Um, safety, we're lacking a little bit. I think he's the only guy actually back with experience because Nick, Nick Cracona also going to play back there. Um, had a little bit of experience, but not a lot. Linebacker-wise, having Landon and Ryan McMillan back uh, is really good. Uh, the, other, the other outside linebacker right now with a 4-3, I'm not sure that's going to be. Um, up front, not a lot of experience. Nick Boitzel, that's it. Okay. So um, it's kind of we're green up front, and we get more solid as you go back. All right. You segue perfectly into my next question. But before we do that, I do want to thank the sponsors of the Bulldog Hour, uh, my dad, Bill Mays, and Mays Sandwich Shop, uh, as well as uh, Mike Drago from MikeDragoSports.com and CNS Supply Company. Uh, did get a, a new sponsor. Uh, they did want us to keep it anonymous, but we do appreciate their uh, contributions to the show, uh, as well as the generous sponsors in the Hop family, Andy Herr, Marty Palm, and our other anonymous donors. And if you would like to uh, support the show, then we have multiple ways you can do that. Uh, sponsorships and advertising are one way. The in-kind donations always help as well. And be sure to check BulldogHour.com for a lot of Wilson football-related information, uh, not just on this year's team, but the Wilson Football Tradition Club is welcoming back uh, a team you're familiar with because both me and your son played on it, the 2002 undefeated LL1 champions, uh, District 3 runner-up. 
Lost uh, a CD. Yes, let's not talk about it though, because that it just it, it, it doesn't go well. I remember the losses. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about them. We've. I think that's a question I've asked you before, <laughs> uh, and it's always the losses that come up, and that's yes. that's a big one. But yes, so my teammates and I, um, as part of the tradition club celebration, that will be during the Martin Luther King game okay. on Friday, September 9th. Uh, so any members. Uh, coaches, players, whoever, and not just the seniors. I always want to point that out. It's not just for the seniors on the O2 team. It's for everyone that was on the 2002 team. Um, come back for, uh, you know, kind of ends up being like a reunion, but the Tradition Club just wants to welcome back uh, anniversary teams. And this is the 20th anniversary of that 2002 championship team. And it just happened to be a member of that one. So I'm very excited to uh, to be at the game for that one. Uh, and all that information is on BulldogHour.com, including what, a month ago, the golf tournament had all the information about that on there. And currently right now, signups are ongoing for the, the little kid flag football. So mm-hmm. if you have any uh, students in the Wilson School District entering uh, kindergarten and first grade, be sure to sign them up to play flag football. Go to the clinic. Uh, it's from the Saturday after Labor Day weekend into October. So it's about six or seven weeks long. Yes. All the information is online. You can register there. Or if you have questions, just uh, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, our next scheduled live show uh, for Justin and I is scheduled for August 14th, but we might have another one in between there. Uh, but once that one kicks off, we're weekly, and you will hear from us a lot really, really soon. Uh, but uh, Coach Wolver just mentioned we were touching on 7-on-7, seven seven, and one of the things he said was you talked about your defensive alignments. You were talking about f- – your outside linebackers, your, mm-hmm. your linebacker positions. And something that I had thought of leading up to the show that I wanted to ask you, how often are you in your traditional Wilson base 4-4 that people had gotten so familiar with over the years? It seems like that's gone away because of offensive philosophies have changed so much. How often do you get four linebackers on the field when you also have four defensive linemen on the field? Uh, rarely, right? Rarely. The day and, day and age. Um, honestly, Usually, if teams have two running backs, like if they have a distinguished fullback, you know, your big fullback type and a running back, we'll try to go with that look and we'll actually go to three DBs. Um, but how many teams do that now? So it's kind of like a personnel package. If we see, you know, then coming on with the big guys, we'll go, you know, Tonka, we call our 4 4, um, or we'll go Herbie or 5 3. Um, we'll go one of those combinations when they bring out the bigger guys like that. So we kind of match up, but. I mean, last year, CD, we played it a lot in the opener. Okay. Um, Mifflin. Unfortunately, played it a lot. I should have played something else. <laughs> um, but I think that's the only two games we really played a lot of. Them. I mean, even later in the year when we played Harrisburg, you know, in the playoffs, I mean, they pounded the ball, mm-hmm. but we had to sit in because they had four wide receivers on the field the whole time. So it's you got a ton of matchy offense. It's difficult for a linebacker to cover wide receiver in a spread offense. Um, what we expect out of a linebacker and D back. So it's slowly transitioned into a four four D back look. Okay. Yeah. It just seemed, I don't know when the transition happened. I mean, we've been talking about air raid and spread them out offenses for over a decade now, easily. Yes. Uh, probably pushing 15 years or so at the high school level. I know it's much more at the college level, but it takes a while to trickle down. And you still have those teams running veer and, and midline option and stuff like that that forces you into the box more. Yes. But as teams spread it out, do you find your, what are you comfortable with? Do you, would you prefer, the, the tight four four, or do you like having more defenders on the field? Has has that been a big change for you to adjust as the defensive coordinator? Um, I mean, yeah, I'm an old guy, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I double tight. Let's line up. Let's go to war. 
Um, there's a, actually there's a post that I saw a few weeks ago for, against it's Iowa against Stanford, and it's a goal line set, and it's Stanford's in three running backs, power eye or like an inverted bone, and uh, there's Iowa on the other side with eleven guys in the box, <laughs> and it's like the quote was seven on seven doesn't prepare you for this. No, it does not. And that's something you know, and I, I'd love to see more Smash Mouth, but I understand it's all about points and spread down and getting athletes with the ball, but. Um, comfortable wise, um, philosophy wise, I don't care what it is. Um, our focus, number one, is stop the run. I mean, we've got to stop the run to be successful. We know that if you're going to run the ball, if teams are running it down your throat, which we've seen lately a couple times, uh, there's not a lot you can do to, to change it. Um, but yeah, however, if you're in a spread set and you're throwing a ball, you can blitz, you can change your coverage, you can do things to try to disrupt it a little more. So I always base, we need to stop the run first. If you can stop the run, then you can make things work. Let's let's talk a little bit more about personnel before we go to um, the schedule and the teams you'll be facing this year. What is the one I mean, you, you talked about how the defensive line is a question mark right now. Um, just you don't have a lot of experience there. Mm-hmm. What is the one position that you think is going to be toughest to replace just because the, the production that you've lost? Is it a long defensive line or is there an individual that, that left or individuals that leave, even if you have some experience back, they're big shoes to fill. Um, I think the most difficult defensively got to replace right now from last year is John Ramsey. Um, John played defensive end, played linebacker. He made us be, he let us be multiple. So John could be in the field and, you know, if they do something, we just suck John back and play linebacker and he's in great shape. So we'd have to change personnel in certain situations. So he's going to be tough repl- to replace. I don't know if we have a defensive lineman that can also play linebacker. Um, we might have a linebacker that play defensive line. I don't know. It's free, but pads on is tough to decide that. Um, but, you know, John's very difficult to replace. I mean, up front, we have kids. We think we could be very good up front. Um, it's we're trying to, again, two platoon up front, which is big for us. We're trying to do that uh, this year. I mean, right now, Nick plays defensive end, kind of a backup tight end role. So he'll be full-time defensively. Um, Isaiah Cash- Cassius. Mm-hmm. Uh is defensive end primarily pretty much those two probably should go one way defensive tackle might have some offensive lineman work in there um dendel uh kurzwick um just kidding taj uh we call him taj tajir um he's working his way in rotation um hop is now a senior he'll play some defensive end defensive tackle and i expect big things out of him by the way he's going to be a heck of a football player um i'm trying oh yeah and if we have Derek reininger Mm-hmm. Um, that's back. It's a sophomore now, has experience much bigger and stronger than it was last year. Um, obviously, Klein's back, and he'll get more of a bigger role defensively. So, okay. you know, I'm sure for getting a name or two in there, I apologize to those guys, but there's a nucleus there that we think we're pretty good. Uh, we just got to get the work done. You talked about having a, a lot of experience and, and starting uh, experience in the defensive backfield. Is there a guy there or, or anywhere? I mean, you just mentioned a lot of names, but is there one guy that – you don't think the the community knows yet that you expect to be someone that all of a sudden is appearing in the article write ups, you know, that uh that Paul and Mike are writing and all of a sudden that name's appearing a lot often. I got you. And the Wilson you know, the fans are like, Well, where was it where was that name last year? I don't remember it. Yeah. Uh, who who jumps out to you? Um Landon Farrell was talked about a little bit beginning of the year last year. Um, I know Paul Roberts talked about him in the one guy, he could central dolphin. Um, he actually got an elbow injury, missed some time in the middle of the season. So he kind of fell off a little bit and couldn't lift. So obviously he wasn't as strong as he was previously. Um, watch out for Landon Farrell. Uh, Landon Farrell's bigger, stronger, meaner. 
Uh, he's got that temperament of he's just going to seek and destroy. Um, I love that mentality. Uh, but um, again, doesn't play a lot of offense. So he's going to be a guy on the defensive side of the ball. It's going to fly around. And uh, there were some situations this weekend, yesterday in 707, where if it were a live game, there would have been some. The issues. trainers may have been called. Yeah, some buddy passes going on. And uh, he knows, and you just see a big smile on his face when it happens. <laughs> so he has, he has a bright light fan. The other one's Raf Fernandez. I mean, Raf didn't do anything for us. So he played some backup corner and did a great job. But again, bigger, stronger, faster. And he's a senior, and it's he wants his turn to run. Well, one of my favorite questions for for you and, and the, your fellow coaches every year is, you know, the Wilson senior tradition of who's going to stand up. So you already answered that that question for us right there, and I'll be sure to ask your assistants and Coach Dom's uh, when I interview them over the next few few weeks. But um, you're seeing in practice and at, and at the seven on seven sessions, um, some of your defensive players uh, play offense. Who do you think could have a breakthrough on on offense that you're excited to watch them? Um, when, when you know when you when you're taking the break to analyze in the seven on seven and go over what you just did defensively, who's flashing on offense for the Bulldogs right now? Um, Cleveland Harding, our running back. Well, whatever running backs, um, he does some special things. I'm excited to see him actually let loose and have an opportunity to let loose. Uh, I think he should be. He could be a really nice player for us. Um, also, I mean, I know you talk about, we talk about Cam and he's getting, you know, a lot of interest, but he's done, not done a lot offensively for us. I mean, he had a few catches here or there. He's a returner and defensively, but Cam might never break out your offensively. I mean, he could have a really big year. Um, and the other guy is Eddie Case, you know, tall, wide out, his very smooth hand runs very well. Uh, he could have a break. He could have a big year too for us, um, as far as catching the ball. But I think Cleveland, I don't want to put pressure on the kid, but I mean, I think he could he could have an outstanding year. Uh, he just has some natural things that you just don't coach, and I think he could have an. But he sat behind Jaden, and right. the year before he sat behind Avante. Right, the stable. Exactly. So now he's there, and I think he could be he could be a really good running back. So my my hope, and I don't want to add pressure to anyone either, but my hope is whenever you get into this part where you don't have a returning running back who had a lot a lot of carries uh you graduated what the top three guys are all gone yeah exactly uh jason Jaden, um and gavin yeah moved on yep it kind of reminds me of back in 2018 no one really knew who elijah was morales yes. oh this, and, this is that kind of kid and that that's what i'm, I'm that's what i'm hoping for because elijah yeah. rushed for i believe over 1200 yards oh uh, he was like named all state yeah uh, out of nowhere. I mean, yes. he has very limited role offensively or at all yes. in, his, as a sophomore junior. And then Justin and I, and I love it because we have an archive of it. We talked about how we think Elijah could have a big year. And we're oh, like, yeah. Uh, we, we wrote a check we were able to cash there. Exactly. And that, that's what I'm hoping for with, with Cleveland. It would be an incredible story. I love that, Absolutely. having that senior step up and in such a huge role like at running back. But I know there'll be a rotation there in, in some capacity. There's mm -hmm. a few guys behind him that'll get um, some carries as well. But uh, talking about the running back position, I know um, from time to time you've uh, you've read or watched Bulldog Hour stuff. Did you catch any of our running back discussion? A couple actually, I did. Ago? Yeah. I did because actually Jamie and I discussed that <laughs> prior to him coming to the okay, show. Okay, before he came on the yeah, show. Oh, what, he, what did he talk to you about? Some guys that should be mentioned. I think he, he mentioned some fullbacks. Yes, yes, yes. yes I got blasted by, in my opinion, the best Brent Grace. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's who it was. Yeah. Yes. But no, yeah, Jamie and I spoke about it. We talked about those things. So yeah, we kind of went back and forth about it and, you know, talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was, it's always fun to go back into the, the, the archive and look at the, uh, the stats and the history 
those shows are always very fun to do, but very frustrating because so many people think you're skipping over them or forgetting about them. Oh, absolutely. Them. Um, and that's obviously not the, the point of the show, uh, but it certainly serves as a, an active uh, talking point. But I didn't know if you wanted to talk about some of the guys you played with or, or have coached over the years that uh, maybe weren't on on the list. And you uh, already mentioned one, the fullback. Yes, but no, honestly, Zach Groff. Okay, yes. Um, his senior year... Uh, I mean, he was on the fence of playing football senior year. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, they, he is a little frustrated. Uh, was that 08? Yes. Yeah. And I think he rushed for close to 1,800, and he didn't play in the second half. Right. We, we mercy team... ruled everybody, but I think one or two regular season opponents and playoffs. Um, so he was out of the game at halftime so many times. But, I mean, his average yard per carry has to be one up there. But I think he was one of the kids that kind of overlooked it, came in and just worked so hard. And, again, that senior thing. It's his turn, and he took the bull by the horns and ran with it. You mentioned Elijah. None of us, none of us imagined what Elijah could accomplish that year. I mean, what he did his year was amazing. Going back to my years, we were Pete Trek, Phil Rowe, um, Kurt Bosch, uh, a little bit of Pete Casco, a little bit of Leroy Schenauer. But they were good players. Don't get me wrong. But they weren't. I mean, we ran between. We ran Wilson football, right? So. It was a little different, absolutely. And I actually mentioned to. I had Paul in on this for a long time. It was always going to be me, Justin, and Paul. We, last year we did the quarterback one, mm-hmm. just Paul and I on a show like this where Justin wasn't around. Yeah, it's like what do we what do we want to, what do we want to do? And it's like, well, let's rank rank the quarterbacks. It's always fun, right? People love lists, absolutely. So he's like. After the show, I was like, wow, we got a huge turnout. We got to do that again. I was like, well, let's do running backs next. Uh, and, and the thing is, like, yo, I don't know, you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah, you know? exactly. And it's tough. But I mean, looking back, I mean, honestly, I can't remember a year, and I've been in the varsity stand since 2000, and I don't remember not having a running back in a year. Right. Like, we always had somebody we could run. I mean, you know, Drew Kendall, I mean, the yeah. first year was there, which is a guy nobody talks about. Had a solid year. With, um, uh, with Ryan Trader. Yeah, exactly. I mean, little Ryan Trader. And, God, he was a tough kid. But, um, but no, I mean, going through the years, I mean, again, we had somebody step up sometimes. I mean, it was a stopper show for a while. I mean, mm-hmm. for three or four years, they, they kind of, you know, littles were in there. Um, but then, you know, we always end up with somebody rising to the top. And a lot of that has to do with our offensive line play, too, obviously. But um, but no, there's always somebody comes out of the woodwork. Yeah, and there's a couple kids we see in the chains coming up too. We're pretty excited about. So good, good. That's good to hear. I, I mentioned uh, to to wrap up the running back discussion. I had texted after we were a few weeks into this already, and I had all the the stats and was sending everything out to Paul and Justin. I said. Guys, this is really tough because the air is, I feel like there's a dividing line. And I was like, do we want to do two separates? Like from, I forget if I said the start of state playoffs or district playoffs, somewhere in the 80s, make mm-hmm. a dividing line. Because I feel like it was, that was a transitional period. Absolutely. Where we went from more of the traditional Gursky Wilson football and early slummer years to the, you know, Kerry Collins and after Cantafio years. Yes. To now, like there's a, that's a big change in the well, 80s. And to bring that up, I was um, watching a program today about football and they were saying the same to the Hall of Fame, how you can't compare wide receivers from the 70s, yeah. 60s, 70s, 80s to the wide receivers now because yeah. the numbers aren't even close. Yeah. But it was different football. You know, and so you got to look at the players and what they what they accomplished, plus what defenses did in the seventies. I mean, look at the Steelers. I mean, they bump and run and beat you up and threw you on the ground and stomped you. They Can't were do tough. that anymore. No, I mean it's it's a totally different set. So how can you compare those guys at different eras? It's really hard. 
Yeah. Like my favorite player of all time is Dick Buckus. I mean, it's obvious. Yeah. Based on your Twitter handle. Exactly. <laughs> However, I don't know if he could play today. Right. It's- I wish I, in my mind, he can, cause he's the monster. He's, he's awesome. In my mind. He'll, oh, absolutely. But physically, I mean, could he, would he, or would he be a defensive tackle? I don't know. Right. Yeah. That's one thing you get caught in this kind of paradox or this cyclical question. And Justin and I try to tackle, you know, who is the greatest baseball player of all time? If you've never watched the Joe Mays and JR show, the spoiler here, Justin and I picked Willie Mays over Babe Ruth and other people like that. We just, we felt like he would have adapted more to the modern game and he would be good at all times where maybe it would have been a little tougher for, you know, the early 1900s players to change. But then it's one of those things. If you put one of those all time greats in whatever sport you're talking about, with the modern amenities and the mentality of weight training and, and nutrition and whatever you would they it's it's an interesting question absolutely. And a lot of people get really fired up about it and i'm just like hey it's just for fun absolutely just, i mean know. i told you for the show um i don't follow baseball because i'm a Cincinnati red fan it's really hard right now but i'm 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 pete rose guy yeah i mean hall of fame no he doesn't that's a whole different story i'm not gonna go there however <laughs> baseball wise i mean as hard he worked as hard as anybody you know what I mean? So watching all the things they have now, I wonder if he would have been, I mean, he was the player I think that definitely could have advantage, but Willie Mays' athleticism, you know, I mean, just off the charts. Roberto Clemente, another one, but that's a whole different. Oh, yeah. Day. Yeah. So well, we're, let's get back to football before okay, here we, we lose go. the audience. Uh, they, I told they, you I like to walk, talk sports. Sorry. No, tr- trust me. <laughs> we, I'm saying we could easily go for hours here if uh, if uh, I would let us, but we're gonna we're gonna keep it to an hour. So okay. We're about halfway through. So okay. we talked about um, the offseason stuff, returning players. We haven't talked too much about your schedule and the teams that are coming up. Not that much different for you, but it is a, a big deal around the area because the other 13 Burks teams are now joining the Lancaster Lebanon League um, as associate members. So mm-hmm. it is still just the Lancaster Lebanon League. It is not the Burks LL League, which they will tell you immediately. Uh, I'm sure the first uh, misprint will be uh, re- retracted within a day. Absolutely. Um, but yes, yeah, so there are now 37 teams in the Lancaster Lebanon League with all 14 Burke schools joining. Not much changing for you guys, though. Mm. Wilson's only adjustment team-wise is Redding. Going to be yes. playing playing uh, the Red Knights again. Haven't played in, in uh, a decade. Last mm-hmm. time you played them was in 2013. I know there's a few scrimmages in there, yeah. uh, but in a in a meaningful game, it's been uh, it's been basically 10 years since mm-hmm. you got to play them. Uh, you will go to Redding, play at Albright on September 16th. I think they're playing Alvernia now. Oh, Alvernia. I, I oh, heard did that, that change. I heard that this some somebody told me that. I didn't know that. I heard that. I don't know if that's accurate, but they oh. said they're playing out of Vernie now. And I don't know. Oh, okay. So we're well, going to check that one. Yeah, I will definitely have to check. I, you know what? I saw someone, it might have been Jeff Reinert, mentioned it in his, uh, he had an LL primer up already. Um, you know Jeff. Yes, he's always ready for. He's already rolling into football. Yeah, I got, I got him. I got him last year with a good one. Uh, you did get it yes. with a good one. That was great. <laughs> I loved hearing that. Uh, but Jeff had a great article out uh, about you know what's going on with the merger, and he previewed thirty-seven teams already, and talked about some of the games on the schedule. And I believe he mentioned Reading playing their games at Alverney, and I almost messaged him. I was like, I think you mean Albright. I never got around to it. Okay. Um. But maybe that's where the person I, I couldn't I, tell you who I heard from, but maybe that's where they heard it as uh, well. I, I will know. definitely have to uh, check into that. Well, somewhere in Reading, 
Wilson will be playing in the Red yeah, in Greater Red and Redding <laughs> yeah. vicinity. That's um, and that'll happen on September 16th, which is, yeah. I believe, game four for you. But yes, first league game. Leading up, yes, first league game. Leading up to that, you, you're opening the season with Roman Catholic this oh, year. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, have you started film work for the season yet, looking at week one opponent, or are I, you still mostly focused on internal stuff? I think we signed the contract in late March, I think. Yeah, I think something Early like April. That. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I've watched every game of theirs last year already. Uh, everything. I mean, there's stuff on YouTube that's not a big secret. It's, it's tough to watch it because the cameras aren't the coach's look. Okay. But just to get some clues, um, they're going to have some dudes. Yeah, they have a few D1 prospects on their roster. Yes. They, they record-wise, they had a rough year last year. Yes, I believe they were like three and seven or something like that. But they beat LaSalle. But they beat. I was just about to say they beat LaSalle. I watched High that one School, close. Yes, who had earlier beaten St. Joe's Prep. Absolutely. Now St. Joe's Prep got the best of them in the rematch. Yes. But, they, I mean, there is an immense amount of talent on the Roman Catholic team. Absolutely. Whether they can put it together every week uh, is, you know, up for debate. We'll, we'll see what happens. But they're a dangerous team. Absolutely. And cannot be taken lightly. Uh, yeah, they have some players on that team. Yes, they do. Uh, so that'll be an interesting one. Coming to Gursky. So that'll be a uh, unique season opener. I, I believe um, some of these schools have been lingering out there as the scheduling issues had gotten pretty bad over the last few years. Uh, these Philly public and Catholic league schools have kind of jumped up and been willing to uh, to play and yes. come to West Lawn and not yes. always demand a return to Philadelphia, as we'll Absolutely. see in a, in a couple couple opponents here yes. later, uh, which is great because I know scheduling down there can be tough because they're all sharing a bunch of different those super sites, stadiums, yeah, the super exactly. sites. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Roman Catholic Week One, interesting. Now, um, I haven't watched much of them. What? Do they throw it offensively? Are they a spread um, team? Are they more traditional? Well, I mean, in the film I've watched, um, they've done some spread stuff. Uh, they've also done some two-back stuff. So, And they have distinctive fullback, so we'll probably go to a 3D back set or something like that when they come out in the, the fullback. But they ran both. Um, so they have, they have a kid that's uh, number two, I believe his number is. Um, he's supposedly ranked in the top ten in the country as far as top ranked athletes as far as college. Um Plays wide out, plays quarterback, plays running back. Um, two tackles are both been offered. The one tackle actually went to Wilson. I didn't know. The kids were telling me. He moved, he moved out from here, I think, in seventh grade or oh. something. One Do of you the know tackles. the name? No, I forget. The kids were telling me to wait room. forget who it was. Yeah, interesting. But, yeah, but he was a Wilson kid. But, no, they had some studs. So. Well, that's a rough one to lose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, no, they're, uh, they're, they're spread, they're power. They have you know great athleticism, great speed. So it, it's going to be a good challenge for us. Then you travel to Mechanicsburg or Harrisburg, where whatever you want to call it out there, to play Central Dolphin, who you're very familiar with, have been playing close to a decade, have played over 10 times in the last eight years or so because of a playoff mm -hmm. uh, meetings. Central Dolphin, um, what, what's there to expect from Central Dolphin this year? They're replacing the quarterback who had been there for a few yes. years. Uh, they seem to always have stud two-way running back linebackers and huge linemen. It, more of the same? Is that what we're going to see this year? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jamie Sands actually put together uh, returning players from experience. You know, we got a whole everybody we got coming up. He did this for it in the spring. And uh, they're returning a couple linemen. They're returning, you know, wide receiver here or there. But they, they just fill them in. They got the big kids up there. They got strong kids. They work extremely hard in the weight room. You know, Coach McNamee is a great coach. 
Um, so he'll have them ready to go. And we're at CDCD. They really don't come out and surprise you with a lot. Every now and then he'll throw a trick play in there just to keep you honest. But they're going to line up and say, here we are. If you stop us, good. And we'll try to come off it. If you don't, we're going we're gonna to keep running down your throat. So, and, I mean, and, they're a good program and they're a good football team. And they're kind of going through what we went through a few years ago with that. They haven't beaten us since 2018. Yes. Uh, they had gotten us uh, about three or four years in a row. And now, mm-hmm. if, including the COVID year, it's now been a few years since they were able to, to beat Wilson. And um, it, those were scrappy games in 19 and, and last year. Uh, both at Wilson haven't had to play at Speed Eversol now since uh, for a few years, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, we know what to expect from Central Dolphin. They'll, they'll be at, ready to play. Yep. Uh, and then the next week, back home to play another Philly school, Martin Luther King, who you got to play for the first time yes. last year. It uh, seems like you guys had a good rapport with the coaching staff. Yeah, it was. Um, the, the coach was I, again. I forget his name, but he came over and he just thanked us for playing us. I mean, they 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 had some athletes. They just didn't put it together. They had a rough night against us, but. Um, they were thankful after the game. They come up and play a JV game with 13 kids. Um, oh, the coach, oh, totally. And they, but the coach said, I mean, it, what was really impressed by the coach. He said, you know, wins and losses are going to come and go. We all know that. Um, but to get his kids an ability to get out of the city and play in areas that are not surrounded by houses or, or the super sites and look at the community, you know, get them out of the city and see things. Their coach was, that's why he doesn't mind coming up here because our kids need to be exposed to, you know, things outside of the city. You know, to see suburban areas, to see how other people live. So the coach was coach was great, and he had, he said after the game, which we did win handily, he said, "Oh, we want to play next year right away." Yeah, I had heard that that night. Actually, I believe we interviewed Justin and I, uh, Doug, and he said either it might have been off the air, but he said they want to play us next year. Or and hey, absolutely, with the way scheduling has been, why why would you turn that down? Absolutely. So we right away we responded absolutely. So we signed up with them right away. Yeah. So. Um, do you, I don't know, you know, that's week three, but have you seen much of them or know much of them? You said Coach Sands brought in a returning players list. Was yeah, they, they, uh, yeah, they actually, they played with a soft, I'm sorry, a freshman quarterback in since last year, so I'm sure okay. he's returning. Um, and they had, uh, I don't know his name, but the kid was number two. He was a freak athlete, played varsity and JV because they're limited numbers, but he's back and he's going to be a good football player too. So they're going to have some dudes. Um, I don't know if there are as many dudes as Roman Catholic, but they're going to have some guys out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of them, I'm sure Jameel Lyons jumps out to me as being a player for was that was that now I can't remember if it was Roman or, or MLK. I wanted to say it was MLK, but I remember last year looking at, at some of their guys, I was like, I think that's some players on this oh, yeah. team. Uh, but it was rough for them to to put it all together. But the, the athleticism was just off the charts. So Absolutely. It'd be interesting to see them come back to Gursky again. Um and if you're you know, you, you heard Coach Wolber say it, but Yes, they're coming back again. We played them at home last year, playing them at home this year. That's not the only um, weird part of the schedule because of the the merger and the non-league games. Martin Luther King, non-league, agreed to come back again. In league, a couple things uh, that are a little bit different this year. Going back to Penn Manor for a second straight year, mm-hmm. uh Justin and I aren't upset about that. We have a tradition to go to the Sugar Bowl, and Justin missed it last year. Oh, so, poor Justin. Um, you know, we were thinking of him down in Millersville when I went and ate at the Sugar Bowl twice, like we always do. <laughs> uh, he'll get the chance to do that this year. Um, and then the, the bigger one, though, the, the one that most people are uh, concerned about or thinking about is what's going on with Mifflin? Not only do we have to go back there two years in a row, but it's on a Saturday. What are we doing? 
Well, this is, uh, I guess, and I didn't know this, we don't play in, in season often uh, in a long time, but I guess every time they have a homecoming game, it's on Saturday afternoons. And I know their coach isn't a big fan of it either, but it's a tradition they do. Oh, so that's not a decision from the coaching staff. That is over their heads. Uh, but I don't know who they have the week after. I mean, we have Hempfield, which is a huge league game the week after. Um, I don't know who they have, but uh, I don't think any coach wants to play on a Saturday. Even knowing that's happening, I mean, just that's one less day for an injury. Uh, it's one less day to prepare. It's one less day to rest. And it just throws off the the, the flow of everything you guys Absolutely. have been doing it, all year. The kids have to have a day off. So we do a Saturday game. We have to give them all Sunday. And we do film Sunday. So it kind of wrecks our whole schedule, what we got to do. it, And, you know, Monday... Uh, I mean, I'm already preparing for an opponent on Saturday, and all of a sudden, I don't can't prepare till the next day. So it's just a lot of stuff. Trust me, nobody's happy about it. Maybe, maybe some alumni are. I don't know. So if no one's happy about it, including the Mifflin coaching staff, why didn't they say, "Hey, could you not make this our homecoming game?" Just the way the schedule falls. I don't they, think they uh, planned. I mean, I mean, they had the best of us the last few years, and I don't think they planned it that way, but just the way the schedule fell. But, but no, this is again. I'm not quoting the Mifflin coaches. Something Coach Tom's told me. They said they weren't real happy about it either. Okay, um, Mifflin goes to Conestoga Valley the next week, okay. uh, and you are hosting Hempfield. Uh, huge game. Hempfield uh, seems to be a team that's rising. Absolutely, uh, and obviously. The Wilson connection at head coach spent uh, Coach Ager spent yep. a couple of years on staff. Yes, uh, that was a big deal last year going down there. Um, excellent environment, uh, excellent program historically. I know that have been bouncing around a little bit over the last decade or so, but they were a big time rival in the eighties mm-hmm. and nineties. And Justin, I have always said, and I believe you could probably go back in the archive and hear us say it. Hemfield feels like a sleeping giant in the LL in section one. Absolutely. That they're a team that has underachieved with the personnel we've seen them trot out there. And if you get the right guy and staff in place, watch out. And unfortunately, I think they have that now. Yeah. uh, I agree with that. What what, the way that George has had uh, Hemfield play you guys the last two years has been very tight. Absolutely. Uh, Both games have been very good. I remember in 2020 thinking, wow, next year's going to be rough. Uh, and and it was it was a very hotly contested game. Absolutely. Um, how much do they have coming back? Uh, I their quarterback was an absolute awesome football Cam player. Cam Harbaugh. Oh, he's gone. That's a big thing that's, for us. That's good for us. Absolutely. Yes. I'm I'm, I'm not going to say that the, this this next player might be great, but uh, it was good to see Cam go. Cam was a, he was a good football player. Um, but I'm not exactly sure how much every turning. I know they have um their one defensive lineman um. Papali, I don't know how to pronounce his name, okay. uh, but he he's ever, he's been offered a few nice offers. He's only going into his junior year. He's a lineman. He's going to be a solid player. Um, George is doing it the right way. I mean, he got a great staff in place, and he's taken all the things he's learned from FNM and from Mayon Township, and you know where he's coached here, and he's taken these things and put it in place, and you know made the kids accountable, and they're really starting to step to the plate. Every year, they're just they're just getting better and better, and they're going to be a, a tough. You know, they they're where Township was maybe five years, five years ago, ago, right before yeah. they're making that step to be perennial win championships, district championships. Hempfield's on the verge. Maybe up to the semifinals last year in districts. Yeah. So they're solid. Yeah, it's uh it's at home this year. That that's uh, you know, it always feels good to be to be at home, and not have to travel down to Landisville. We uh, Hempfield just Landisville the, the, we just it doesn't seem to be I don't know. It's always awkward there. <laughs> it's 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 usually an ugly game. And interesting calls are made, both sides. 
So it's just a place. I mean, that was the only game I lost my sophomore year of football. When we play, I play for Wilson. We played Dan. Every lost was to him. that the one where someone didn't pick up the punt? Is that that? Yeah, yeah. and he ran it back to the six, and Vito made a tackle, and then we stuffed them, and they kicked the field goal to beat us nine seven. Nine seven. Okay. Uh, yeah. so you don't remember? Don't don't forget. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, one of the interesting ones because your the time that you played on the team was one of the great four year runs. Yes, um, we seventy eight through eighty one. Right, those four years, yes. fall seventy eight through fall eighty one. Because I think you're like. 42 and two or something yeah. like something ridiculous like that. And I was like, you know what I'm interested in those two losses. What happened in those games? And then I read that article yes. and watched that game. I have the film of it. I watched it. And I was like, Oh, that is a rough way to lose. And the other game Pottsville was better than us. That's a pickup that, that Pottsville. Now that one was, was that in, that was the opening game. My of, junior year. Okay. 79. Eight. That was 80, 80, 80. 80. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they, had a, they had an outstanding team. Um, Painter was our quarterback. I remember all these things. I can't believe it. <laughs> but uh, they had some great speed. Good coach. Coach Flynn was still there. Um, and they beat us 29-12. And I never forget what Gersky had to said after the game. Normally when we lose games, if we'd have played another quarter, we'd have shot. If we'd have played another quarter, they would beat us by more. Okay. Well, so they that was a, good was a really team. good team. Yes, we they were. Right. They only ended up losing one game that year. They were a really good team. And that, unfortunately, those your teams and the teams you played against uh, was right before district, a few years before district playoffs started. My senior year was the next year they had districts. 80, so 82 was the first 82 year. 82 season they had districts, yeah. And 88 was the first year of states. Yes. Uh, which both district and states have gone through crazy changes over yes. the years. Um, but yeah, it's it, the, that four year run, always looking at, and then the late 60s team, 67, mm-hmm. 69, always wonder, you know, if there were district and state playoffs, what would those handful of teams been able to do? Well, my senior year, um, we scrimmaged Con- uh, Cumberland Valley. That's when, uh, oh, who's head coach? Uh, Chapman was there. Okay. And they were undefeated, and we handed them in the scrimmage. So again, just pride talking. But <laughs> you, I, I would have loved you the like opp- to consider. I'd love the opportunity. I mean, Coach Gursky talked about us playing Conrad Wise for a county championship because they were undefeated. Uh, then he tried to supposedly set up a game with Mount Lebanon, who was the undefeated team from Whippeo. Like it was a bunch of talk there going on, go. but but no, we just we thought we could beat anybody defensively. We just said we could stop anybody. So yeah. we had a, that attitude. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned how we could go on and on and talk forever, but to, we we could fill an entire podcast on just the uh, those teams that you played on. Um, the uh, superlatives that came out of the, that era of uh, Wilson football. Um, but I will keep it here in, in the present. I got you. And I'm not jumping over Governor Mifflin. We're going to circle back to them. I know we touched on the time of the game, mm-hmm. but um, we I mentioned going to Penn Manor. McCassie's coming back to, to Wilson this year, which is nice. We always have weird things happen going down to Lancaster. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that we don't have to do that this year. Then you got to finish with Township and go to Nestville, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, a few days before Halloween. Oh, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Landisville. They're always being kooky things. I feel like Nestville is the place that I always dread going. Uh, maybe that's just because of over the last five years, it, it's been very even battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have the, the rough 2017 ending the streak and then at the season also ending. It was just the, the one-two punch. Yes. Uh, so it's just rough going down to, to Nestville. But what do the Blue Streaks uh, the quarterback's back. Yes. Is, is, uh, are they going to be a problem again? Are they oh, a team yeah. to beat? They're, I mean, they're, they're always going to be a team to beat. I mean, you know, I don't know how the, the rankings and pit coaches and press and things talk about it, but, uh, bottom line is, I mean, right now you look at section one, I mean, you got to look without even saying anything. It's Hempfield, Township, Wilson, 
Um, and then somebody nipping at our trying somebody trying to make the move up to the next echelon. Right. Is um, it gonna be Redding, Cedar Crest, Penn Manor? Exactly. And a lot's gonna depend. I mean, coming down to it, I mean, hopefully we don't get knocked off by anybody and we play well, but you know, you come down, you know, you got a Hempfield playing us and you got playing township playing each other. And who knows one of the other thing, you know, you got a Hempfield, you got Redding, who knows who's gonna step up and knock somebody off. So there's other teams out there that can do it, but it's that game's gonna be interesting. All right, so I want to go back to Mifflin and not just talk about Wilson Mifflin, but obviously, I mean, you want this game. It's been a couple of years. It's been mm-hmm. a hot minute since Wilson's been able to to beat the Mustangs. They've mm-hmm. had generational teams, it seems, back-to-back years. Oh, yeah. See, Very good. I honestly believe that they could have won a state championship either of the years. Absolutely. Uh, if not both. Yes. Uh, if one thing changed. We saw an incredible run by Exeter this year knock off Mifflin and yeah. end that dream. Stunner. Huge stunner. Uh, there's been a lot of other programs surging, non-historical, strong programs getting better. Do you think right now the state of Burke's football itself is on a rise and has gotten better in the last decade? Or are we just seeing a, a blip in the radar? Or do you think there's been um, a, a change across the board to improve, improve high school football at all the county schools? I think uh, coaching staffs have really, really gotten better. Um, not to say, you know, we were better than anybody else, but, you know, we were coaching in the mid-2000s. I mean, some teams didn't prepare as hard or some teams didn't have a great off-season program. Um, but now everybody has off-season programs. Everybody works hard. Everybody has a pretty good coaching staff. Um, they're committed to what their offensive or defensive philosophy is. So at a whole, absolutely. I think it's before it was more of a cream at the top, and then kind of, you know, us in town and Manhattan Central one year after year after year. Um, Cocalico jumped in there from time to time, but mm-hmm. they were now it's now more of a bunched group of t- teams. Um, so I think that makes things a lot more interesting, a lot more competitive, too. Um, so I think it's the LL Berks League. I think it was a really good thing to happen, especially for the smaller schools. That's really going to help them out, too. Yeah, I, I know some of the sc- smaller schools. People on the outside. I haven't heard so much the people that are actually going to have to do it. It's all the voices outside mm-hmm. uh, travel and stuff for some of the smaller schools. But again, it's much easier. And this is football only, not all the sports. It's much easier in football because it's only once every other year. Absolutely. You you host one year, then you go the next year. So yes. if you have to take an hour bus ride, it's only every other year. Absolutely. But competitive balance is so much better. What is your big takeaway from the Burks LL merger? Do you think it's a positive thing? I, I feel like every Wilson person, coaching staff member I've talked to has all been thrilled that it's happening. Oh, I, th- I think it's great. I mean, getting running back on a schedule is great. Um, I think it's awesome. Uh, but get some rivalries that weren't there or teams like Section 2 is going to be loaded. Section four is loaded, not taking anything away from the other section, but these are teams that haven't played each other before, perennial powers, I mean, playing against each other. So I think it's a great situation. And you're right, the travel may be a little difficult, but it's every other year. But you're talking about, you know, look at a team like Kutztown, who, you know, has 20 kids sometimes on their team. They're going to play in other schools their size. They aren't going to go over to Wymessi and get beat up really bad. They aren't going to go to Burst Catholic and get beat up bad. Um, they're getting opportunities to play people their size and, and vice versa with the Lancaster Lebanon teams too. So I think it's good for everybody. Uh, I, you know, I mentioned Exeter and Mifflin. I don't want to not mention why I'm missing the run that they've been on. Um, have you gotten to watch any of their games on on a Saturday? Have you ever been able to go to see any Absolutely. of their missing play? Absolutely. Why why missing is it's 
that program's just it's phenomenal. Um, what they accomplished in you know a smaller school, obviously, but the kids are getting now. The talent they're getting now is is I mean they could compete with bigger schools. I'm not going to say compete a six A or five A schedule week in and week out, but they would definitely give some five and six A teams some battles uh, just with their physicality and their size. Um, to do it week after week might be difficult for them. I'm not going to say they couldn't, but I think they could give you know I mean us playing YMSing not every year. Um, but sometimes it would be a very, very good football game. So I'm very, very impressed with the whole coaching staff. I do watch what they do. I do like what they respect what they do. Yeah, I've gotten to see them uh, a lot. Not Unfortunately, not in person, but uh, it's been an impressive run by them, and honestly, I think they could do it again this year with the last two years. The uh, the talent in this this group that they've had, I mean, they've been historically strong uh, over the last, you know, what, three decades uh, easily, but this run that they're on right now, I mean, I know this, what, a decade ago, they won the state championship, yes. but to be knocking at the door two years in a row and have a chance this year to maybe break through, uh, that's why I mentioned, you know, the, the state of Burke's football, I just feel, we feel like we're at a, a height, you know, we're at a crest, uh, I don't want to drop off, but I feel like it's inevitable, but like you mentioned, the cohesiveness of the coaching staffs and the dedication and commitment to the developing the program, not just from august through november absolutely it it's, takes it's not annual... an august to november job right it's not if you're going to coach football um well most sports but if you're going to coach football we only have one seed really fall season everybody else can play upon a year round but it's if you don't put the time in and if you don't put the time as a coach your kids aren't gonna put the time in so you can yell all the want you know hey we gotta get more kids in the weight room well we have at least five or six coaches there in the weight room every day everybody has vacations everybody has things to do but we're committed so we're going to get at least 60 to 70 percent of our staff there every day we work out um and the kids see that so they're coming in you know we're not late we show up and they see the effort we put in so they put the same effort so it kind of is a two-way street so um just to talk about, you mentioned the battles we're going to see in in a few of the sections in the new Burks merger with the Lancaster Lebanon League. In Section Two, you got Mifflin, Lebanon, Exeter, Muhlenberg, Warwick, Conestoga Valley, and Mannheim Central. Uh, just recently, I mean, Mifflin, Exeter, Warwick, and Central have just been heavyweights the last couple Absolutely. of years. To know that the four of them are going to have to round robin um, battle it out, uh, that's very exciting. And Section Four. Cocalico, who was giving Manheim Central a run uh, the last uh, few years mm-hmm. uh, in, I guess, the old LL now. Uh, Lampert of Strasburg, um, who's been making district championship games. Absolutely. Um, then you also have Burke's Catholic and Y Missing together again. Uh, to the your backyard hiatus brawl. of the backyard brawl, and now it's back. Um, one of them, I believe, is play, playing up, I think. Is it why I'm missing? I think why I'm missing playing up, from yeah, five I, th- to four. I think, yeah. Uh, good decision by them. I don't love the section alignments going just by enrollment. Yes. There was a better way to do this, but the powers that be and then the, the coaching staffs or administrations in charge don't want to, I guess, go by recent trends and powers mm-hmm. you could have you could have bumped some of these teams around a little bit more i agree uh, it, it's a little rough to see lebanon in section two just yeah. with how their program is struggling right now um, and they played in didn't they play in section three they were a few years ago in section yeah. three before ll went to what four yes sections and now it's in five with the burks merger yeah. but yeah now they're up at two i mean lebanon lebanon i don't think won a game last year yeah i know and, coach yonchak was up there as a central york now and they won some games with them, maybe five hundred ish. Yeah, yeah. But they've never really got over that big hump. And honestly, last year I got—I don't remember them winning a game. I don't think they did. I don't think they did. Um, 
I think they had a really rough year last year. So seeing them up in section two, I, you're not going to get a program going if you're losing by 50 points every week. It, the, Absolutely. It just, it, the, the kids in the community, you just lose it. You know, no one no one is interested and you're never going to get over the hump. That's why I didn't – when they bumped them to section three and people were like, oh, they're 6A, they're 6A. It doesn't matter. It doesn't doesn't matter like no. just because the school is that big doesn't mean you have well they the did the same thing to Ephrata and now Ephrata actually turned it around Ephrata, quite a bit yeah well there was how many years in a row that they hadn't won a game yeah, it was a huge breakthrough and they moved into section three mm-hmm. and now they've improved and that they I mean they were over 500 last year and that's the way it has to build and hopefully in a two-year cycle they'll go back and reevaluate and which teams are struggling kind of bump bump bounce around people that way yeah I don't know what they'll do it'll be interesting to see what happens but yeah, Burke's LL merger finally here. I feel like we started talking about it probably almost five years ago now, yeah. four and a half years ago. It was tabled, then it was brought back, then it was official, and now here we are. The first year of the uh, the new, larger Lancaster Lebanon League will kick off with games in – can we stop with the week zero? Are we done it's with not, that? Yeah, it's, it's so not. stupid. Game Every one. team plays there. Period, exactly. Right, that's why I started calling it game one instead yes, of week one. so do I. Uh, game one on Friday, August 26th for the Bulldogs that will be at home at Gursky Stadium – against Roman Catholic. So, Coach, I think the last thing I want to f- finish up with, and it's something I wanted to mention and get your take on it, because this it's what I had heard and what I've been telling people, because there's been a lot of people mentioning the helmets, uh-huh. of what's going on with the helmets. Oh, the helmets. <laughs> uh, well, they've been changing a lot uh, of the last few years, which mm-hmm. is a little bit different for Wilson. We're used to um, playing reds and whites, mm-hmm. and the helmet had the bulldog on it, whether it was a red bulldog or a white bulldog. Yes. By and large, it had remained unchanged. Then there was the the change to the um, the chrome uh, in mm-hmm. 2016, which, not, you know, not really changing it, just no. a l- little uh, iridescence to it, mm-hmm. no, no big deal. But then for the anniversary season, someone, me, had a crazy idea about doing a retro W and football bring that back. It was awesome. Oh, could we do that? Did that? You think that would be cool? Uh, it was awesome. Also, let's can we replicate, you know, in 94, we did 50 years. Why don't we do 75th season, you yeah, know, kind of bring it all exactly. together. Uh, people, I feel like that was a love-hate thing. Some people liked it, some people didn't. But I was like, ah, it's just a one-year thing. <laughs> and then I believe uh, Matt Bender told me, oh, hey, Coach Downs wants to do the W and football on both sides. Well, that was a big deal because now you're taking the bulldog off the helmet. Yes. And that was in 2020. That was mm-hmm. uh, the the COVID, the main COVID year. I guess yes. we're always in a COVID year now, but that was the main one, the big one before yes. before vaccines. Well, I heard a lot then. Well, they can't take the bulldog off the helmet. I'm like, you know, the bulldog only came on in the late 70s, right? Exactly. It was it was the W in the football yes. before then, and there was also a time where you didn't have a logo yes. on the helmet. And at one point, they actually were red, believe it or not. That was yes. a long time ago. Um, but you can't take the bulldog off the helmet. And I get that. We are the bulldogs. But sometimes it's nice to change it up. But I've heard recently over the last – at least the last two years or maybe even – um, back to 2020 now, I had heard that the seniors were kind of getting the option to pick what was happening with the helmets. Is, is there truth this to is that? This is the first year, and it wasn't actually seniors. Okay, it was a team-wide. It was, yeah, we have actually, we set up, uh, Coach Palm set up kind of a, uh, it's a, a team thing. It's a, Every class has two representatives, sophomores, juniors, seniors, okay. or maybe three. Like a leadership three council? Yeah, it's a leadership council. Everybody has three kids in each grade, so it's an odd number. And basically presented to them. So there was talk in the in the early this year. It's for, I mean, this is the first year the students decided, the players decided, 
but there was talk about um about doing something different on the helmet we were throwing out different ideas everybody like this way i didn't hear anything negative about the w so i didn't really but again i kind of shut things (laughs) off i don't listen um but uh i didn't hear a lot about that but then this year we came up and we were throwing around different ideas and we got a bunch of lit not a bunch probably six or eight decals and we decided to get the leadership council we're like why don't we let them decide it's their team we always say the seniors it's your team so let's let the players decide and they decided to go with the script bulldog which mm-hmm. does look very nice um and a w on the side so i understand people are upset no bulldog logo on the side says bulldogs but no bulldog logo on the yes side. Yeah. and it, and i i get it i've been here a long time and i've coached here and i played here and i mean i get it but Sometimes if you can get a little bit extra out of a kid for getting a different logo on a helmet, let's do it. You know, it's, we always say it's, it's, remember, we're here for them. We're not here to glorify ourselves. We're not here to glorify, you know, anything except we're here to help the kids get better, be better people, better athletes. And if it's going to get them, you know, you know, motivated, let's go. If it gets them excited about it. Yeah. I always feel like they're taking ownership then because how much ownership do they have over the rest of it? you know, they're not the ones by and large, most of the players are not the ones coming to you and saying, Hey, I think we can put this sub package in exactly. Or, you know, maybe on offense, you could tell coach Paul, like, Hey, maybe we run this play. I don't mm-hmm. think it happens that often, but something like we can bring this identity to them. What yes. do you want on the helmets? This is your team. What do you yes. want to look like? And we're not going to give them like, Hey, we can get red. We can get black. We can <laughs> right, get all kinds right. of craziness. There, there's we're some limits. Them, exactly. We're going to, there's always going to be a bulldog possibility. And some teams might choose to go back with a bulldog. I don't know, but it's something that the kids decided. I mean, they decided on that. They decided on numbers for players this year. If there was a tie, okay. like we count numbers for kids, attendance, you know, academics, okay. all those things. But if it's real close, we go to the board and say, and we don't give the names. There's a student A and student B. Here's their things. Here's their credentials. Which one gets a number? So they kind of help with that too. So it's kind of accountability for them. And they feel like they're part of it maybe a little more. And like I said, if it's going to get the motive a little bit, let's go. I'm all for it. This is the Wilson football democracy that we're talking about. Uh, there's there's checks and balances all around. Trust me, Coach Downs will not let us get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, when... When Matt told me about the Chrome in twenty leading up to twenty sixteen, I was like, "Oh, okay." And and he's always telling me, "Be like, well, I tried to get this." Oh yeah. I was like, "No, I don't think so." Uh, so when when this came to my attention, the script, I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." And at first, I thought it was going to be on both sides. Mm-hmm. Well, originally that was the original plan. Okay, that was the original plan. But then the kids decided to go the other. They were going to put a bull- script and a bulldog on the side. This the council decided the to council. go with the script. And the W. I love it. I, I, I actually like that even better that it wasn't just the seniors. You, I think you could understand if the seniors decided, every, you know, you'll always get your year then. You you will decide. It yes. Before. But it's a team decision. Absolutely. There's a council. There's there's a process, um, which is great. That That's a lot of fun. I, I'm glad we have that uh, figured out. But, yeah, so no Bulldog on the helmet this year, obviously, still the bulldogs it doesn't it's not that big of a deal um you can always watch the bulldog hour and see all the helmets and you can see all the bulldogs you want um right there it, it just if anybody wants a sticker we got plenty of them <laughs> uh, it does make it tough on me trying to figure out the mini helmets every year changing yeah because i have to make sure that i have one for each era so i got you um well i'll have to revisit that i'll have to get in contact with my guy and then get a, <laughs> get a new one um but 
So before we wrap up here, is there anything that you wanted to point out about the upcoming season or say about the the the, uh, the year that's uh, rapidly approaching? Um, I just uh, it's going to be interesting early on. There's going to be a lot of kids playing that haven't played previously. Um, but there's a certain fire about this team that I really like. The workouts in the weight room have been awesome. Um, the summer workouts have been great. So, I mean, there's a lot of enthusiasm on the team work-wise. And a lot of bodies have changed. It's an exciting time for us. I mean, you know, I'm getting up there in years. Coach Downs is getting up there in years. And, you know, it's just it's neat to see the transition. But using the COVID again – that changed a lot for everybody. Yeah. And this is the first year we had a full year. So everybody being in school together, mm-hmm. everything's going on. So it's kind of getting back to that old feel. Like when you used to be there and we were in a weight room and things got accomplished, yep. it's kind of back to that feel. And you're just real energy in a weight room and real energy on the field. Um, hopefully it translates into success for the kids. We have a great group of kids and I just, I just hope we have a ton of success, you know, on the field, hopefully, you know, off the field. Definitely. Um, and I think this was mentioned to me, but I'll verify it with you. No coaching staff changes. Everyone's back. The, um, the only one that's a uh, Alex Twyford helped us last year. Okay, yeah, I know he changed jobs. And I don't know if he's going to be able to help us this year, but okay. that's the only. That's the only. And he was kind of a part time guy anyway, so that's the only change really right now. Okay, so all all the positional and and coordinators. Obviously, we know Doug's there. Um, so another year. Uh, Status quo, so we can be uh, we can be happy about that to know that there wasn't any upheaval, and uh, looking forward to the season. But that's our hour, so I appreciate you joining uh, the show first first live. Uh, Absolutely, it was fun. Yeah, it's always fun. It's, it's, exactly. This is no, there's no pressure. No, it's just that he's talking about sports, and I mean, at exactly. Least my wife doesn't have to listen to me talk about it now, so it's nice. <laughs> you, you, you scratch that itch. You know, I do love you, Jill. I do love you, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> you got to say that. That's right. Make sure say it loud, say it proud. So exactly. Um, but yeah, I think I think we covered everything. Appreciate you stopping by. Um, I won't be bothering you for another follow-up in, in early August like I usually do. We'll, we'll count this one since we covered a lot of the, the questions that I usually ask you. I gotcha. appreciate you taking the time now to join the show, uh, but I will make sure to catch up with the, your uh, your other assistant coaches and uh, track down Doug at some point here uh, to fill in the uh, the viewership on the preseason happenings of the football program. But, hey, uh, what – Month from was it yesterday is the first day of heat camp? Is that right? Oh, yeah. Looking at the date right here, where is it? Heat week 8 8. So, no, two days ago. Two days, yes. So, August 8th, heat week, and then uh, summer camp. Yeah, we got youth camp the week of July, the first week of August, and it's heat the second, and then we get into it. Yeah. So, really, once the calendar hits August, you guys are off and running. Youth camp, heat acclimatization, and then you're in camp, and then we got the Coatesville scrimmage. Yes. And then Roman Catholic comes calling. Absolutely. Let's go get them. All right, Ernie, thank you so much for joining me on the Bulldog Hour. That's it for episode three of our eighth season. And Justin and I will be back uh, real soon. Um, About uh, Scheduled to be about a month, but we might get another show in there in between. Just uh, stay focused and follow along on all the social media for our updates as they happen. Um, But, yeah, I think that's it. So, once again, thanks for joining the Bulldog Hour. Special guest Ernie Wolber this evening. Justin and I will be back again in about one month. So until next time, remember, go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? 
Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.